0: it is a new day. It is a new month. We I have to mention this. We are coming off WrestleMania. As Keegan and I both both wrestling fans, both both enjoyed the show. Uh, saw an all decade punter probably do better in the ring than he ever did punting. Right. That's neither here nor there. We have to bring it up because wrestling's in the title of the podcast. This is episode number one hundred and sixty-two. We're here to cover everything that's Pat's draft, Pat's draft related. It's your wonderful time of the year. How are you doing, Keegan?
1: I'm doing great. It's it's wonderful. It's busy. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, pats if you haven't heard. Um. Not a big
0: deal.
1: But yeah. Yeah, yeah, not a big deal. But we've got a ton of stuff going on. It's like day and night working towards trying to get some good content out there. So it's fun. it's not it's not like work when you're having fun, right?
0: Exactly. It's like that expression, if you, you never work a day in your life if you're having fun.
1: Right. There you go.
0: Yeah. Um the first before we get into draft, I actually wanted to ask you quickly. What are your thoughts and what do you think the long-term ladder effects of the Devontae Parker trade are for the Patriots?
1: I think I don't think it's as big as it felt, like kind of in the moment. Like you get the Schefter or whoever broke the news, you get the the notification. Like the Patriots trade for Devontae Parker. And my first thing was like first of all, why? Second of all, how? Like in division, that doesn't happen. Um I it it felt big, like it felt like it was on a much bigger scale than it actually was in the moment. When you take a step back and look at it, I think it was just kind of the Patriots looking to raise their floor a little bit without giving up much draft capital. They moved back around, basically. If you look at it, um, if you look at a a third-round draft pick next year, that's the equivalent of a fourth-round draft pick this year. That's the way teams look at it. So, you know, you move back around, basically, to get a guy who is under team control for two years He's about to turn 30. I think it's twenty-nine. his age 29 and 30 seasons that he's under contract for. So um, he's not going to make you significantly better, but he definitely raises the floor a little bit to where you're not going to get stuck out there with like Jacoby Myers and Christian Wilkerson and Gunnar Oshevsky, right? Like when they had in week 16 last year, you're not going to get stuck like that anymore. You've got a lot of guys who are kind of at the same level at wide receiver. I'd say they've got a number two wide receiver right now. and. Whether that's Kendrick Bourne or Devontae Parker, in your opinion, who knows? And then three number three wide receivers, and Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, and then whoever the other guy is to you. Um, I'll be interested to see what they do with him, because he's kind of – he's like a juiced-up version of Nikhil Harry, who they just – as as bad as Nikhil Harry has been when he's on the field, they never really gave him a ton of opportunities to get on the field. So it's like, are you going to give this guy the opportunities now? Because you trust him more? Maybe. But who knows? So we'll see. Um, I think it's a wait-and-see thing, but I definitely think it raises the floor. It just doesn't raise the ceiling.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point to make. It's just one of those things where it's like, look, there's not height. Like there, it's not like there's height and crazy expectations. We're not saying come in here, you know, be a 1,000-yard receiver. You got to score multiple times. You got to be double-digit touchdowns in this season. No, I think it's just a chance to, look. you spread the offense out. You get more guys involved. Uh, I still think that they're they'll, they're going to try. I wouldn't be shocked to say if they go and draft a receiver. I'm not freaking out, right. like, in that sense, being like, oh, look, 21, because 21 can be anything, but, like, if there's receivers available, I don't think they're going to pass on it just because it's like, hey, we have Devontae Parker. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see if they did trade Aguilar, though, to get, like, you know, like, it's it's help. It's, it's something. It's, we have, pretty much right now, I feel like the offense is basically figured out. We just have to, you know, beef up the line a little bit, because obviously with losing Mason and Mason and Ted Karras, but if you look at it, you Mac, the three guys at running back, I'm really I I know Brandon Bolden was good last year, but in my opinion, I I'd rather James, I'd rather James White just because you tr- I trust. Him yeah, I just trust White in the past game in that third down yeah. roll. Receivers, we'll, we'll see what happens. And then hopefully with the tight end game, look, I know Jonathan Smith didn't have the best year, but I feel like it's more just there's a sense of hope and optimism with his offense to where everyone's saying we're taking a step back or Mac's been figured out. I think though that crowd's gonna slowly start taking a seat.
1: Yeah, people get better over time. Like yeah. Just because he had a bad first year doesn't mean that he's doomed. Um, I think that, like, Jonu, we don't have to go down the Jonu thing, but they tried to use him in a ton of different ways last year, and it always worked. But for some reason, a drive would stall out, and then that was the end of Jonu for the game. Like, the beginning of every game was the Jonu Smith show, and then it was just he faded as the game went along. If they can fix that, then they'll have a great year. And like you said, I, I tweeted it out when they the Parker stuff happened. If anything this opens them up to draft their kind of wide receiver where they don't feel like they're pigeonholed to draft a somebody like Nikhil Harry, where it's a big bodied guy who can play that traditional X. Now they've got that. So if they want to draft a wide receiver, go ahead and get somebody you think is really good, no matter where they play, get a slot guy. If you think he's uh, going to be a good player, get a Z a, like a traditional outside away from the numbers kind of guy. Um, so it'll be interesting. I'm excited to see what they do at wide receiver specifically. I know you wanted to get into the draft, but, there are so many options now for what they can do at wide receiver. They could draft somebody at 21. They could go seventh round. And it, I think they can get a quality wide receiver, quality player in, in either spot.
0: Um, I, I, I want to talk draft, but I also have to bring up Parker because obviously it was the big news. Another quick comparison I want to make, and I'm not saying the players are the same, but do you remember last year we signed Cam Newton for that nothing deal and then we still drafted Mac? I could see it being something like that because you know how if at 15 – I think if Cam wasn't there, you knew the Patriots were gonna be desperate for quarterback. That a team that say wanted Mac could easily jump. But that right. with 15 last year, no one really knew what we were gonna do because look, Mac was still there, but we had a quarterback in Cam. So it was one of those like it kind of opens up the playing field when it comes to that 21st spot. I hell, I even see a world, I wouldn't be shocked at this point too, if they move back and acquire more day two assets. So it's just it's a big wait and right. see. And as a Patriots fan, it can be a little annoying, but I'll say this. I trust Bill Belichick, and I know that Robert Kraft gave that press conference at the league owners meeting last week, but I don't take it for anything. I think he's just a fan, and he's speaking what he thinks. He, I don't think those are shots at Bill. I think so it's just, I want to win.
1: Yeah, I mean, if any owner didn't say that, then I would be angry about them being my owner. Like, if, if your owner doesn't want your team to win, then that sucks. That really sucks. I mean, we see it in baseball all the time, right? Like, I know yeah. you're a baseball guy, too. The Oakland Athletics spent 0 dollars this offseason cuz they just do not care. They traded away their two best players cuz they all they care about is trying to make a quick buck. Uh Robert Kraft isn't that guy,
0: right? He he wants and also to thank you Oakland for Matt Chapman. That's all I have to say. Um yeah. but um with that trade, no I agree with that. You you want your ownership dedicated to winning. It's not shots at the head coach or anything. No, it's just ownership wants to win. You're right. No matter with the NFL Every owner this time of year is going to sell their fans on winning, is going to sell their fans on hope. Obviously, there are certain teams right now that can't do that, like Carolina, like Detroit uh, – Atlanta, excuse me, Atlanta, Detroit. Maybe they're throwing a couple other names in that hat. But look at the AFC West this year. I know everyone's talking about it, but everyone thinks four of those teams are going to be great. One of those teams is going to be bad. That's something that we got to point yeah. out. So you want to sell hope. That's the thing with the NFL. There's so much of an offseason you want to sell hope. Now the Pagulas do that for one team, but they don't do that for the other team. But that's another story for another day. Exactly. We
1: well, the Pagulas um, got lucky, is what happened. They they don't do anything to make the Bills better. They just got really lucky that they have a really good GM who made a really good pick. Exactly. Don't get me started on the Pagulas. Those the most the luckiest people who don't deserve it of all time.
0: Oh, believe me, I know Sab- Sabres fans, Sabres fans hate they, they hate them because they basically I just find it so funny that the Sabres were good for like their, their time in the 2000s when the Bills are mediocre, and now it's the reverse role. The Bills are good, and the Sabres are mediocre. Um, okay. But let's let's just go down the rabbit hole of the draft. Uh, look, with the later day picks, what do you think, the, Like in your opinion, what are the biggest needs? And there's one guy I'm going to say later on that I've started to get, su- not sweet on, but I like, but your co-host also likes. So I think that kind of breaks that down, but – for a day two or day three perspective, like, do you look at Slay Bolden's going to make five Pro Bowls? Or do you look at, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just, it's the stereotype. I have to do it. Yes. Him right. or Britton Covey, one way, or even Alec, I think, um, what's the kid from UCLA? Alec Pierce. Alec, no, oh. Alec Pierce in Cincinnati. Kyle yeah. Phillips. UCLA's Kyle Phillips, yep. One of those four is going to be a Patriot somehow, and it, I'm just like, I'm already prepared for it.
1: Yeah, I, so I'll give you kind of where I'm at right now, just overall with the draft. And it goes to day two. Um, I think the Patriots want nothing to do with round one. That's the, I've convinced myself of this. Um, they value the quality player, players that are in round one. Uh, I think they understand that uh, the way this draft is set up, there's 15 to 20 players that people are going to be scratching and clawing for. Where do the Patriots sit in the draft? They sit at twenty-one. Yeah. So I think I think they see it, and we saw a little bit of it today, where teams are going to be hopping over them to get those, you know, one through twenty picks and try to get one of these future studs that they believe are there um, at twenty-one. You know, not willing to move up in the first round. I don't think there's any chance they move up in the first round. Um, I think they see it as, all right, we we we're kind of like the gatekeepers to this this area of the draft. We can cash in on somebody looking for that. Say, say a uh, Travon Walker. I don't think Walker will far, but like a Jermaine Johnson, a George Karloftis. These edge players who the ceilings are so, so, so high. Uh, say they're sitting there at twenty-one, and the Patriots, that they, they do need some talent on the defensive line, especially on the edge, but they don't, they don't need like one of those guys particularly. What they can do is, you know, we're a, we're at twenty-one. This guy's sitting here. You want him? You gotta pay for. him. Uh, Detroit Detroit you want one of these guys you want a quarterback that's sitting there because this quarterback class sucks and there's probably the number two guy on the board is probably going to be there at 21 Detroit you want a quarterback give us 32 and 33 so now you've got the last pick of the first round first of the second round you control the draft at that point Um, I think in a perfect scenario that's what the Patriots want to do they want to be able to control not just what they do but what other people do as well Um, you know control who's able to get those top 20 guys, get one of those top 20 guys. So um, I would say the the way they're looking at things is let's move back. Let's grab a end of the first round, maybe a beginning of the second round plus another day two pick. And then let's load up on on linemen, offensive linemen, defensive linemen. Uh, Isaiah wins up next year. Trent Brown's up the year after that. So both of your tackles are going to be gone by 2023. Um, They might sign one of them to a deal, but as, as of right now, both guys are going to be gone. Uh, you don't have one starting guard. You don't have either starting guard from last year. Mike on one who's expected to roll in and kind of take one of those jobs. You still need another one. Um you opposite of Matthew Judon, you've got three young linebackers who have shown nothing in terms of being able to play in every down role or Dietrich wise. Those those are that's where the Patriots are on, on the offensive and defensive line. If they're able to take two, maybe three day two picks, second and third round they can completely transform that, like the trenches. And that that's where they were good last year, but they lost so much of the, of the the team that they had last year in that spot. And if you're able to get better, plus add the speed and stuff that they've tried to look for on defense throughout free agency, they've signed like 25 safeties. So if they're able to do that, I think they really like where they're at moving forward. So, you know, too long, didn't listen. Capture as many day two picks as you can. Beef up the offensive and defensive line and work from there.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Like, look, Dietrich-wise, like, he was, he, he's had his moments. He's shined. But then he kind of had, a, in my opinion, a little bit of a weaker 2021. Like, he was he was there, but he wasn't, like, the guy. The guy, obviously, on the line is Judon. Um, we'll see what Perkins and McGroan can bring, but we don't know yet. They're just – they're just they're question no marks at the moment. You, you have no yeah. idea. McGroan coming off the ACL. Perkins, I don't think, sniffed the field at all in 2021. So it's big things. with McGroen, it was different. We knew McGron wasn't going to play. McGroan was a red shirt, red shirt rookie year. Um, right. But no, I completely agree with what you're saying. It's like, look, have the picks, have them waiting for you. You want to be the team that your phone's blowing up because GM after GM is calling you because you're right. This, I, I'm still convinced with the quarterback class thing though that someone is going to make a stupid move in the top ten, and take one of these guys when they shouldn't oh, go totally until right. they shouldn't go until later. And like I'd say. You could potentially see a team in the teens. I know there was a trade earlier today with the Saints and the Eagles, but I doubt the Saints did that to go get a quarterback. I, I doubt it, especially when you sign Andy Dalton, you sign Jameis Winston. But with the Patriots, I just want to bring that up quickly.
1: Yeah, they need to tackle
0: is what they need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like this draft literally is – you You know how they – like so I, so I had a guy from the uh, Arizona Cardinals podcast come on here a couple weeks ago. I referenced this quote. He basically said with the Cardinals – they have to eat their vegetables before they eat their cake. I feel like this draft is a lot of that. You just can't draft a guy because he appeals and he looks good. Like with the Cardinals did last year with Zayvon Collins. You need to draft someone who's going to come in and make a day one impact immediately. You need those guys that are going to come in, help plug holes, help fill in those gaps that you need. So you know what? Go get if – I think there's a like, I – I don't know about you. I know you said plug in the film. Will uh, like a, a Kenyon green be a still available come – later in the 20s like will i know people have been. Oh, sorry. i don't know why part of me uh, absolutely i was just saying yeah. yeah he will be like you know how last year for example belichick moved up for christian barmore because he fell ronnie perkins fell to, i think 98 or 99 you're gonna have those guys that fall go get those guys now there's other guys that people have been saying are gonna fall like a charles cross which i don't believe i think that's just smoke because teams no. want to teams want him he's gonna go top 10 but yeah absolutely you're going to have those guys there. There's the um, the Austrian guy, too, Bernard Reinolds as well, from Central Michigan. I'm not saying him, but you're going to have decent – That's this draft is loaded with the big boys. And I know you and I both, we have appreciation for the big boys because guess what? love the big guys. Big boys get the job done. And that's, yeah, that's, what, I, that's what you need.
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, I've said it like a million times and starting to become a cliche – every draft guy in the world thinks that no one's going to get out of the top 15. They just think like the entire draft's going to happen within the first 15 picks and everybody's going to go home. Breaking news. It's not how it works. 15 guys get picked and then everybody else slides. So what we're looking at is there's, there's like a crop of talent where half of them are going to end up going in that, that top amount of picks. And then you're going to have, you are going to have like five to ten options for every team in the back half of the first round. They're they're all going to have a big-ass board because there's so much talent and it's so even where there's not like the – there's no Trevor Lawrence and then it goes back down to to whoever and then it falls down even more. It's like here's six guys worthy of the first overall pick. Here's eight guys worthy of a top five pick. Here's 22 guys worthy of a top ten pick. That's how even and deep this draft class is. So evidently some of them are going to fall and um you know like we said Charles Cross isn't going to fall past 10 he might but he's not going to fall past 15 Jermaine Johnson who people are kind of lofting into that top 10 top 15 he's he's going to fall he's going to be a guy who's around that like 18 20 you know Philadelphia and New Orleans made the trade today he, he's he's going to fall in that area um Travon Walker I think he's going to leap into the top 10 and he's going to push somebody up that's just the way things work you know Kyle Hamilton, even though he's, like, the best player on tape, somebody's going to pass over him because he, he didn't run a fast 40. Um, the Jets are going to reach for a wide receiver, and it's probably going to be Drake London, and it's going to push more guys back. So, like, I, I view Drake London and, and um, Jermaine Johnson as, like, low end of the first round guys. I think both of them are going to get picked top 15 to 20. So... Like we like we were talking about, they're just going to launch people back, and then that's when you're going to have the, the influx of people trying to jump up to get these guys who are falling, whether it be a Chris Olave, a Jameson Williams. Like now we're talking wide receivers. That's a big money spot. Um, cornerbacks, I think one corner, and I think it's going to be Derek Stingley, I think one corner will go top 20, and then the rest of them are going to fall into the end of the first, second round. You're going to have a bunch of guys there. Kair Elam, Andrew Booth. Oh, uh, Sauce Gardner, excuse me, is gonna be the guy that gets picked first. Derek Stingley, like like those three four guys other than Sauce, who's gonna be a top ten pick, they're all gonna fall into maybe the second round. And like that's another big money spot. So there's there's so much talent. It's so deep that if you're in a position where you're able to gatekeep that, like that crop and you're able to dictate who gets to to pick those players and where you get to pick your like where you get your next pick. That's that's a great spot to be in. Usually if you're in if you're at 21, that's kind of like the no man's land from 15 to 25. No one wants those picks in the first round. It's terrible. But this year I think it's great because you you're able to dictate what everybody does.
0: Exactly, exactly. Like I love the word gate. I, I hate the word in terms, but in this sense, it makes a lot of sense. Um even too, there's guys like I know Kayvon has falling down on a lot of people's draft boards, but I still don't think he makes it. He's not going past the top 15. Like
1: he's not going past the top five.
0: Or top, he's exactly he's top
1: such behind. a good athlete. He's an amazing athlete.
0: Like, I don't, People have soured on him for some reason, but then again, too, there's always those guys where some – like, hey, look, just because – and I'm not throwing shade at these guys because they obviously know a lot more than – I know you know a lot about the draft. I know about the draft. But like Daniel Jeremiah or Bucky Brooks, just because they put them in right. certain places in the draft doesn't mean they're going to fall that low. Hell, last year I think – yeah, it was that Char- someone had Justin Fields going in like the 20s and he went 11th. Like there's just there's that's the perfect. Yeah.
1: Sorry. That's that's the perfect Senate or kind of comparison where he's getting Justin Fields. He's like Justin Fields was the number two pick for three years. It was everybody knew Trevor Lawrence. The second he stepped on a college campus, they knew he was going to be the number one pick. But Justin Fields, their entire career has been number two to him in high school. He was the number two recruit behind Trevor Lawrence. His freshman year, even though he didn't play much because they played Jake Fromm over him at Georgia, which was the dumbest decision a, a championship winning coach has ever made. You know, even though he was a backup, he was the number two guy in college football. Everybody knew he was going to be the biggest guy on the market. Goes to Ohio State, number two quarterback in football or in college football. All the way up. And then two months before the draft, everybody decided that he had a bad work ethic and he was going to fall. And he was going to be a late first-round pick. The Patriots were going to be able to get him at 15. Someone traded up for him at 11 to get him. That's how it works. Kayvon Thibodeau is the same thing. At the beginning of this year, he was the number one overall pick. No doubt about it. Everybody knew he was going to be number one. All the way throughout the year, Aiden Hutchinson has a big game against Ohio State. It sucked. I hated watching it. But he had three sacks against you know a top-five tackle in this draft. And then all of a sudden he's the first round pick and Kayvon Thibodeau sucks. Like that that's just the way it works. It's, it's all about the narrative. Uh, people are trying to sound smart by saying Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be a bad football player. If Kayvon Thibodeau didn't try for the rest of his life, he'd average seven sacks a year. That's just the type of talent he is. So what team isn't going to be like, all right, give me the guy who's going to give me seven easy ones. And then if he tries, he's going to give me 15, which I don't think he's, you know, everybody talks about his, his work ethic and stuff like that. No one knows about that. I'm sure he works just hard, just as hard as anybody else. But you know, he's having that situation happen to him where he's getting, he's dropping in the draft because other people are supposed to be vaulting him and they're not. That's just not the way NFL teams look at it. I don't think.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's because that's the thing. Like, I feel like these like analysts and all these other people look at it very different from what the teams think. Because that's the thing too. Unless a team publicly comes out and says it, or you get reports or inklings that uh, you know a team and. They're they're sweet on a guy. I know it's a very weird expression to use, but that's how it goes. If you're sweet on someone, if you like someone. Um, apart from that, you don't really know what these teams are thinking. Like, for example, we know, like, okay, came Thibodeau should go top five. I just said top 15 just because I was giving that example. Because, like, you were saying earlier with guys like Sauce Gardner. Um, right. but even too, like, we know how Evan Neal, it's like for the people think, oh, I remember hearing Giants fans saying, like, for tackles, because Charles Cross started getting in their names, and they are like, oh, we don't want them because they were so adamant about getting, like, Neil and Aquanu." but we know at five and seven, you're not – you're lucky if you get one. You're going to be lucky if right. one falls. There's this, all these things where I feel like a lot of fans have to have realistic expectations when it comes to the draft that sometimes you don't see it that way. That's why, I like – that's why, I like, doing a podcast, for example, is because, look, you get to wear your fan hat, but at the same time, too, you wear your realistic hat where you look at things from a realistic standpoint of, hey – what is realistically going to happen? Now, with Patriots fans, I know we're a little different, and we know, look, we're not going to be shocked if Bill decides to move back. But at the same time, too, if there's a guy there he sees that he likes, he's going to go get him. And it's just, it's just right. as simple as that. And you know what? He's I'm done it before. Yeah. He's done it before. He'll do it again. I remember two years ago, um, shout out Alex Lorenzo, who you know as well through YouTube. Um, Told me that we only drafted Duggar because McKinney was gone. I think all along, Belichick wanted Kyle Duggar, and Kyle Duggar's proven to be the better safety. Obviously, McKinney's been hurt, but that's just the whole thing about it. Like even how last year when I gave the Barmore example, when Bills sees a guy, he's he's gonna go get him.
1: Yeah, I, with the Duggar situation, like him and McKinney are a completely different player, so it's not like it's not like one goes and then you just draft the other one because they can play the same role. Kyle Duggar is basically a linebacker who can cover like a, a corner. That's what makes him so special. Xavier McKinney is like a Devin McCourty type where he's kind of, he oversees the entire defense. So I definitely think, I think Bill Bill Belichick and trying to figure out what that guy does is stupid. And I probably shouldn't even say this, but I think the way he views things is um, this, like this is a good football player. I, yeah. I think, I think I could do something with them. What they're best at fits what we need. and, what they they're not so great at doing we can cover up. If all three of those things align, I think it's a perfect pick for him and in, like he has no problem sending something in. Um you like last year if you watch the first round war room video that the Patriots put out, when they put in the card for Mac Jones, he looked around the room and asked every single person in the room if they were okay with it. And then he looked at Macro, who's now the director of player personnel, and said, "Matt, you okay with this?" And you know, obviously he's going to say yes. He's going to be like, yeah, put in the card. You know, we all made this decision together. But in an alternate universe where macro goes, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know. Do they still make that pick? Who knows? Like, maybe, maybe Bill goes, all right. If we're not all sold on this, why are we going to draft a quarterback, the the most important position in all of sports? Why are we going to draft this guy in the first round and put all of this, you know, effort into making him our starter if if we're not all one hundred percent sold on it? So that's an extreme example, but. The way he probably looks at things is, that, is here are the three criteria. If they meet all three, then that's perfect for us. We're going to throw in the card. If they don't, that's when you start looking at the value play of if we trade back here, maybe he'll fall and we'll feel more comfortable of taking him at this spot, you know, 30 instead of, or let's say 40 instead of 52, right? Like we're more comfortable at 52 instead of 40 because 40 is just a much more valuable pick. So, um, and, and that goes back to the Barmore and the Duggar thing in the second round where. They trade they were like, he's not gonna fall to us, Christian Christian Barmore is not gonna fall to fifty-two or whatever. They traded up to thirty-six to get him. Premier second round pick. They gave up a good amount to get him and he ended up being their best defensive or one of their best defensive players is a rookie. So it's all about if they they fit the criteria that he's looking for. And there's multiple levels to that.
0: Yeah, even too, something I like to look at for that is the Ramondre Stevenson pick because obviously we knew Damian Harris was the running back going into twenty twenty one, but it always goes to show that look your job's not exactly safe in New England. Where not saying Harris would not be in RB one last year, but it's just one of those things where if Bill sees a player that he thinks that can help his team win, he's going to go out and get him.
1: Right, absolutely.
0: Yeah, um, but no, with this year, honestly, it's like it's I, it's easier because look, obviously, look the quarterback question solved. We know it's Mac. But at the same time, too, it's kind of like now just plug and play, fill in the holes. Um, but I, I also agree with you when you say the whole thing about, look, we don't necessarily have to get a, quarter, not a quarterback, excuse me, a receiver on day one. If we go into a position, because I know if we, if they leave Williams on the board, if they leave, let's say, Traylon Burks is still there, Dodson from Penn State, among others, because we know how good this receiver class is, Wilson Olave, I know you'll, you'll cry, but – your are I assume now at this point you're probably going to wait two years to win. Actually, never mind. He'll be a top five pick in the Smith and Jigba. He he'll he'll be he's just be gone. Good. Yeah, yeah. He'll be he'll be gone by the time we have a chance to pick. But where look with Patriots fans, I feel like a lot of them can't freak out if we don't go receiver because you have to understand they're doing what's best for the greater good of the team to compete in a, what's now a very very stacked conference.
1: Yeah. So we have in, in our draft spreadsheet that me and Spag's put together. We have 37 wide receivers, you know, in the spreadsheet. So we've talked about 37 wide receivers who are going to be drafted or signed, you know, come the end of this month. The Patriots probably have 15 to 18 on their board, and all of them have a grade on them, and it fits wherever in the draft that they feel the pick is worthy of. So, you know, we're talking about guys that they they haven't even – they're not even going to consider. Like, if they're sitting at pick 153 and – let's say Dontario Drummond is there, he's not on their board. They're not even going to consider him. So if they're sitting at a spot like that and there aren't any wide receivers on the board for them, they're not even going to think wide receiver. They're just going to go for it. Like they're going to go pick someone else or trade back, do whatever they're going to do. So to to be able to identify a position of need at a specific spot in the draft, a player that you think is going to fit what they're looking for, plus – have that player drop and have no other team like it's it's nearly impossible. That, that's why mock drafts. When you get somebody right in a mock draft, it's like holy shit! How did I do that? Like it, it, it's amazing because it's all these things that go into it, right? Like it's it's not just the Patriots are like, hmm, I'm picking at 153. Let's look at let's look at the big board, the best players available. Like that's not how NFL teams operate. So if we're if we're trying to figure out who they're going to draft a wide receiver, you you have to start thinking. Value plays in terms of, all right, now we have Devontae Parker on the roster. That pushes Nikhil Harry, who you drafted three years ago in the first round. That pushes him off the roster probably. Like, he's gone. Yeah. They're going to cut him. They're not going to get anything from for him in a trade. Um, that pushes possibly Nelson Aguilar off the roster because for, for as well of a role – or as well as he played in the role that they asked him to play, which was stretch the field a little bit, take the pressure off of, you know, these underneath receivers. And he did that well. He didn't produce a ton, but he did his job. Takes him out of that role. So now you have to figure out what to do with him, which I'm sure they will. Letting, letting him play in the slot adds a whole different di- dynamic to his game. But, like, all, all of these things go into it. So with all of these spots covered where you have an outside guy, Jacoby Myers is your slot receiver. Kendrick Bourne's better than him in the slot, but he can do multiple things, so he works on the outside as well. Now it's, all right, we're, we're sitting at whatever pick. We have these receivers. They're graded in this area. Let's take a shot at this guy. Or, or if it's a Jamison Williams and they're like, this kid's going to be a superstar, and if he's available because of injury, we're going to draft him. So uh, a lot of it goes into it. That was, I keep giving you super long answers, but uh, a lot of it goes into it, but you're they're going to end up picking somebody who – they've viewed in that spot in that particular area for, for a very long time. I think personally.
0: Exactly. It's one of those things where, and also that people need to remind themselves of this. I know a lot of teams are going for it now, but they're in a position to go for it with the Patriots. I'm always thinking, I'm thinking long-term with this team. I'm not thinking short-term look. Do you want to see your team win the Super Bowl every year? Yes. Is it likely that the Patriots will be in that spot in 2023? Probably not. So I think what I want them to do is be in a position to win when there's a lot of those teams that right now are gearing up to make a run, either have cap problems, are at the end of their windows, or the quarterbacks are signing these, you know, mega contracts. Now, obviously, with Mac, we'll wait and see what happens there. We still have got a, two more two full years to go until you can even consider him signing his contract. But look at the team of the Kansas City Chiefs already who have to trade away assets because your quarterback's making mega bucks. which I'm not right. going to toot our own horns, but kind of goes to show that the greatness of Tom Brady where he didn't take money and now because you don't want to – because of cap situations, you have to rely on a receiving core of MVS and Smith-Schuster, which if Mahomes somehow gets to the AFC Championship game with that, I think we really can truly, truly appreciate how good he is considering who he's throwing to this year.
1: Yeah, and the, the way the Patriots set up all their contracts from last year when they had that spending spree, plus adding
0: Mac was putting the money down the time, pushing the money down the road.
1: Right. And, you know, by the time Mac is ready for an extension, if they're if they want to extend him, all those contracts are gonna be off the books. So they're gonna have the money to do it. But these years are so important to build up behind those contracts because when those come off the books, you need players to fill those roles. So with the amount of draft picks that they've kind of gathered together i guess you could say right now is really about let's build this team from the inside out let's offensive and defensive lines let's make sure those are set like rock solid for three four years then make sure that the lower level positions like linebackers and running backs let's make sure those are set and then when mac is ready for that big extension if you want to give it to him then it's like all right here's exactly what we need at wide receiver here's exactly what we need in the secondary to complete our defense stuff like that and It it I think it's it's really smart the way they've built themselves and the way they've kind of looked ahead, really, where they know one day they're going to have to make a decision on him whether they want to give him an extension or play the game of do we let him walk? What do we do, right? So um, they've set themselves up nicely, I think, to have plenty of options down the road because things change. Two years ago, who would have thought that Deshaun Watson was going to be playing for the, the Cleveland Browns? No one. No, not a single person on the planet. Baker was coming off a good year, Deshaun's coming off a good year and then everything that happened. So, you never know what's going to happen, so leaving themselves open for to do a million things whenever these things come up, it's a very smart way of doing things. They didn't lock themselves into anything.
0: No, not at all, not at all. They're looking like it's like like I said, it's like having a 3-year window versus having a 5-year window and they have a 5-year window right now where they right. have time to figure it out. Um, unlike, like, look, and I know Bill's fans want to run their mouths and say, we own the East, which you, you do, you do, but you have the East, we have our banners. I'll take the banners. Thank you very much. Um, with this team in this conference, though, do you actually see them being a playoff contender or do you, cause I, or like, do you think it's going to be a year potentially where they could take, maybe take a step back and just miss out?
1: I think they contend like 100%. Yeah. Bill Belichick's too good. They're, they're going into year number two with all of these new guys on the roster where historically everybody's going to take – or most of everybody is going to take a step forward. Um, I think they're going to get better. It's just like we mentioned, everybody else also got better. Um, but like we saw last year, like the Patriots got significantly better from 2020 to 2021, but it wasn't enough to overcome the demons of, you know, Buffalo and Kansas City and, and all these big money teams. So – I think, like, a team like Oakland or two teams like Oakland and Denver are going to have the same issue. Even Los Angeles where they're going to win regular season games. They're going to improve their record. But are they going to improve so much to where they're going to be competing for Super Bowls? I don't think so. Not in year one, at least, of these completely new franchises it looks like. You know, with new quarterbacks, receivers, corners, edge rushers. Like, everybody's brand new. You're going to get better. You're not going to get so much better to where you're competing for a Super Bowl all of a sudden. I th- I still think it's like it's Buffalo's conference to lose, and then there are always teams like Cincinnati who made it to the Super Bowl last year. Who um, I think the Patriots are in a similar spot where they're a good football team and they could make a run. I wouldn't count on it. Like that Bengals stuff doesn't happen every year. You don't always have a Cinderella wildcard team go to the Super Bowl. Um, I really think it's going to be. The division winners are going to be what we've seen. It's going to be Buffalo. It's going to be Kansas City. Um, we forget about the North and the South, but like Baltimore is going to win the North. I think I think the North and South kind of suck, to be honest with you. They have to have playoff teams because you have to have a division winner. But yeah, I don't think I don't think you're like Tennessee and Baltimore are probably going to make the playoffs. The rest of those teams aren't. Like maybe Indianapolis competes. Houston, Jacksonville, Pittsburgh maybe Cleveland, maybe Cincinnati. Like, I'm not – no one's really super worried about those teams. I th- I think the Patriots are firmly competing for a wild-card spot, trying to make it to the divisional round, trying to win a wild-card game. I think that's where they're at this
0: year. Exactly. If they can be a 10-win football team again this year, it's not – like, it's, oh, you didn't improve your record, it's a failed year. No, it's just – if they can – you know, the seven-game win streak was great. That was great from when it went from the middle of October to the beginning of December, but if they can, you know, I think sprinkle out the losses to where you know what? Hey, maybe November instead of going four and zero, you go two and two. It's not the end of the world because I'd rather see them finish the season strong than last year when the track when the train truly fell off the tracks. That's that's just a big thing to point out. But even still, you have Miami too, which you, there's all of these teams you just don't know what you're going to get. You know that um like even to Cincinnati you're right I think a lot of people are gonna be saying you know what Cincinnati Joe Burrow he's got all the swag he's got this he's got that he's got the tools but how consistent can it be from year to year now I know look they've got a beefed up offensive line but I feel like there's a lot of these teams where look the pressure comes to you and then you kind of crumble under it we've seen it with the Tennessee Titans over the last couple seasons where they almost went to the Super Bowl two years ago and then ever since then they've always been like they've won the division but they lost their two playoff games right out of the bat, what they had. So you're, I, I love that statement where it's like, look, with the NFL, you can't get caught up in all the signings and all the hype. Sure, it's great. It's fantastic. We experienced it last year. But you know at the end of the day what you do in April versus what you do in September. What you do in March and April, it can help you win football games, but you truly, truly, truly have to prove it come September, even though that's five months away from now.
1: Yeah, it's sustained, sustained success in the NFL is impossible to come by. Um, every year, there's going to be a team that comes in and is better than the year before. That that's why, like what New England did, obviously, twenty years they were more, they were the best team in football for twenty years. Uh, yeah. but, but what Kansas City's doing right now and what Buffalo's doing right now, that's what makes it so special. Where it's like, how the hell are you guys so good every year? It's because they drafted phenomenal, like they they drafted and put together phenomenal football teams, and they got the quarterback right, and for. Two years, I, I think it was only two years, maybe three, three years. Josh Allen was under contract for pennies, yeah. and for two years, Patrick Mahomes, three years, Patrick Mahomes was under contract for pennies, and they won in that short, you know, time frame. But that—that's why, I like, it. I, I see the idea of the Patriots: you got to win now, you got to win while Max under a rookie deal. I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they've done enough before he got here to make it happen. But they did it with Brady. They won with a. A paid quarterback. He wasn't top five, but he was making twenty five million a year. Uh, I think Mac Jones and the way that the the NFL is going, he's probably going to make a similar amount. He's just not Tom Brady. He's not the best court. He's never going to be the best quarterback in the league. But the way the NFL is trending and how quarterbacks are getting paid, he's still going to get paid the, a similar amount. So to, now, instead of having Tom Brady kind of pick up the roster, you're going to have to have the roster pick up the quarterback a little bit. I, Matt Jones is great. I think he's going to be really good. You you just got to have somebody pick him up a little bit to get to that next level. I just don't think he, he can do it by himself, like uh, Mahomes or, or a, a Josh Allen can.
0: Exactly, and also I have a take where with the Buffalo Bills, and look, this might sound salty, it may it may it may not. I still think that this year, if they do not make the Super Bowl, I think it's going to be really really tough for them because of him making his money that he's going to be making. Now I know they're getting a new stadium. I know that Bill's Mafia is very excited and they're ready to go and be like, hey, this is our year. We're going for it. But you need to know that, like, look, if you don't get there this year, it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows going forward. You're learning the tough lesson right now with the Kansas City Chiefs with that.
1: Yeah, I agree 100% because you, you see our – Stefan Diggs isn't there for the long haul. He, no. He's going to be gone soon. He's probably going to be a cowboy, to be honest with you, by the beginning of next season. Uh, they still don't have a single running back on the roster that can run well with the football in his hands. Like Josh Allen's their best running back, and good luck with that. Let's have the big lunky. He's a great athlete, but he's huge. Yeah. Let's have him running down the field like a tight end. We saw how great that worked out for Gronk. No one, no one targets the tall guy's knees or anything. Like they still have to build up around him, and if they don't, then they're going to fall into that hole where it's, you know one year Josh Allen gets hurt. You're fucked. You're done. Sorry. Excuse my language, but
0: hey, you're allowed to swear here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. If Josh Allen's hurt. You're done. Bingo. End of the year. Like don't even try to win for the rest of the year. Stephon Diggs leaves. Now you're rocking with Gabriel Davis as your number one ride receiver. And I don't even know if Emmanuel Sanders is back. Cole Beasley is looking for a trade. I think he's gone.
0: Oh, I think they caught him.
1: Okay. Cole, Cole Beasley has gone. So now it's, Like you're already starting to see that the team's probably getting a little bit worse than they were last year. They could still win. They're still a really good football team on the defensive side of the ball. Jordan Poyer is going to make a billion dollars when he's up for a contract. He's going to make so much money. Micah Hyde's going to make a lot of money. Like, like we said, sustained success does not happen in the NFL. That's why when it does, it's, it's so special.
0: Dawson Knox is another player too with with the money situation there. Um, but no, I just I love the point of that and everything. And also, there's a couple other points I want to bring up. One, I'm trying to get off the top of my head right now. Oh yeah, the other one. Before we get into anything else, where do you stand on the overtime rules?
1: Um, I'm a play defense guy. Thank you. Like thank you. <laughs> play de- there, There's more than one aspect of football, um, and it. I I argue that it's more important than offense. I think you know you see it every year. The best team in football consistently top five defense. Yeah. The LA Rams were the best defense in football, whether they had the statistics to prove it or not. If Aaron Donald. Before. If Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey are on your defense, you're the best defense in football. Yeah. That's just the <laughs> yeah, way it works. It's hard to argue. Um, so I'm a, I'm a play defense guy, but I'm also, uh, I'm not going to complain when I get to see more good football games, which I think is what is going to come of this. I think they're going to be longer, but people are like, oh, more football. That sucks. No, it doesn't. It's awesome. Like, yeah, let's watch let's watch Mahomes and Josh Allen duel it out for another forty minutes. I'm fine with that. That's like that's perfect for me. So um I you should play defense, but also I'm not gonna complain because I think it's gonna lead to good football.
0: You you and you and I were on here the day after that game in the divisional round. I remember that the Chiefs Bills game. Also, if I clap too loud, I'm sorry. It's just I'm really I hate everyone that's going like, oh, we have to give them a try. We have to do this.
1: That's stupid. That's a dumb argument.
0: That's, that's a dumb argument. That's what I hate. Like, for example, the Super Bowl. Like I talked about this with Fitzy a few about a month ago with the Brady with the Super Bowl fifty one. Brady converted to I'm pretty sure it was two third uh, third and longs on those drives. One to Danny Amendola, I think one went to Chris Hogan, and even the same thing too in the Chiefs game.
1: The Chiefs game there was three three,
0: thir- three <laughs> yeah. third and longs. So it's like, oh, but did Holmes didn't get a chance this or that. It's like, yes, but you did not do your job defensively. You had three chances to stop him. You did the first two, and then also to people who argue the overtime rule, like the D Ford offside. It's just like it is what it is. This year was, yeah, this year was a little different though with Josh Allen and everything because, look, I still think McDermott cost them that game by not squib kicking it with 13 seconds to go and letting them make the play. Like I literally, yeah. I was, like when that, when that happened, that was circulating. You, I literally watched the film. Look, no one was stopping Travis Kelsey. Like you, the second you got him open in the flat, it was, it was game over. They were going overtime, time. And that, that's, that's my argument. I love it. I, I like your two sides of the coin to it though, where it's like, look at it from, okay. Yeah. Play defense. But at the same time too, look at it as we get more football games, look at it as the playoffs are going to get exciting. But with that being said though, what I push for, Non sudden death in the regular season? No, absolutely not. You can't. You can't have games going. You can't have a one o'clock right. game ending at five o'clock, and you can't have a primetime game ending at past midnight. You,
1: you, you yeah, can't. I, I think they did as good a job as they could do without completely transforming the rules in terms of like yeah. going to like a college format, which the NFL would never do. It's the, the college format's a little goofy. I think it's a little too goofy for the NFL. Um, yeah. So they did as, as good a job as they could do with pleasing as many people as they could please, I guess. I I think they were, they were hamstrung. No matter what they do, somebody was going to yell about it. So
0: it's a now, world we live in.
1: Yeah, exactly. So they did the best they could. I, I hate defending the NFL, but I have to.
0: Yeah. And then the other thing I want to ask you quickly is, um, how much did Tom Brady have to do with Bruce Arians firing? Cause I'm going to say my spiel on it quickly. I think it was, uh, it was, it was all Tom. It was, all Tom and they just they spaced it out because if you do it like a day after Tom comes back, it looks too obvious. The fact he waited two and a half weeks, yeah, no, for everyone saying, Oh no, Tom didn't have anything to do with it. No, it was it was Tom. Um,
1: I I don't think that they particularly liked working together that yeah. much. Uh, I don't think they like hate each other. I think it's similar with like the Belichick situation. I don't think Belichick and Brady despise no. each other. I just I just don't think they liked working with each other towards the end. And I think it's the same thing with Arians. Uh, and if I were willing to bet, I would say Arians was the one that was like, you know what? I don't want to work with you either. And yeah. I've I've done this for too damn long. So I'm done. Like, I, I think that's probably the most likely scenario. It, it could have been Brady was like, I won't come back unless Arians is fired. But I, I don't think it was. I don't think it was as, as juicy as everybody wants it to be.
0: That's a fair point. And also, too, folks, for those of you who want to know about the, the full Belichick Brady story, please read The Divorce by not Divorce, excuse me. The Dynasty by Jeff Benedict. That's the book to go for. If you're a Pat's fan and you want to know. Yep, yeah, mine's somewhere over in mine's somewhere over there, but that's the book to read if you want to know about the about the dynasty. As I recognize your Herb Street book that I'm staring at right now as well. Sure. Um but yeah, that's the that's the thing too with the um thing. I, I look, I I didn't, I don't, um, I, I always thought like, oh, the whole like I'd like to say the joke, the whole oh, Brady wanted this to happen. The Glazers chose Brady over Arians, but at the same time, I I, I kind of get where you're coming from with that, where like Arians could have gone, you know what? Yeah, it's fine. Like Tom, you're a great guy and everything, but at the same time too, look, if we want to have our quorums, I'm okay giving the keys of the kingdom to Bulls, which. For us who watched AFC foot, AFC East football for all those years, we know Todd Bowles was the most one of the more conservative coaches in the NFL. So we'll see how it translates. But he was—I mean, he. What were you going to do if you're coaching the Jets? You got to yeah, <laughs> fair,
1: or else you're going to destroy the game like 10 minutes into it. So
0: he was—he was hamstrung. Do you remember the the his the last game of his Jets tenure when they were getting there? Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah, the game in New England. Yep. I, it was like thirty eight to three or something. The entire broadcast, I Eagles basically just talking about like, oh, he's going to be gone and all this stuff. And I'm like, guys, we still have like two more quarters to play. Like, it's not even the first half isn't over yet. Let the man coach and then let him get fired tonight. I I sat in the tu- like in the the
1: Jets tunnel that they they run out of. I sat yeah. there, right there. Um, and, and as he was walking off the field, he took off his jet sweatshirt. Like like LeBron when he
0: was leaving the Cavs the first time, it was very oh, in funny. the garden. In the garden, yeah. And uh,
1: he he took off his like jet sweatshirt. He was basically he wasn't even in the tunnel yet, and uh, like everybody knew he was gone. I, I I'm pretty sure he knew he was gone. Like they had told him they were going to fire him as soon yeah. as the game. That was like Adam Gase, where like, during his press conference after
0: the game, it, like the news broke that he was being fired. It was yeah. it was very funny. It was just like the, well, well, shit. Here we are. It's like it was like Mike Zimmer this year. It was like Vic, well, Vic Fangio. Which for the folks out there who listen to this podcast, everyone knows how I felt about Vic. I said he should have been fired after 2020. Uh, but we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. This it's all part of the NFL juggernaut. It just keeps on rolling. It keeps on going. It's just it's one of those fun things. You know, we're we're in the draft process. Um, I totally blanked on teams reporting today. I. To be, to be honest with you guys, I, I started a new position at my company, so it was a little t- it was a little like I lost track of it. And I go on TikTok of all apps, and I see the Miami Dolphins be like, hey, good "Morning, we're back," and I'm like, "Oh crap, that's right. Team got to work out today because they have a new coach in the building." Yeah,
1: it's like it's like fake news though. Like, no one
0: cares. It's like yeah, not fake news in the way that people say fake news now. It's like
1: it's news that no one cares about. It's like whatever, dude. I, I don't care. Like the the fun stuff. The fun stuff is all the draft right now. No one cares. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I'm just I was just pointing out, like I just found it funny that it was just like, Oh yeah, like right, there's just people at the facilities today that are like I don't know if it's like working out or if they're going through plays, but I feel like for the most part it's just like meetings, basically. Okay. I feel like it was more or less, yeah, you just kind of all the players gain the chance to, you know what, sit with McDaniel, get to know him, all that other stuff. Did um, like icebreakers, like your first day of kindergarten where you're like,
1: My favorite color is blue.
0: Like that's that's very <laughs> You Just have like the little sign too where it's just like the f- the first day of school sign you see all the kids with now that like I think the Carolina Hurricanes did last year where it's like like my name's Keegan. I like I like a hot I like hot dogs. My favorite color is blue. Like it's yes, just my favorite pizza, my favorite food's pizza. Like it's yeah. You know, I, I just said hot dogs was the first food that came to my mind. Yeah, like okay, so that's all today was because like literally, and then the only dead point in the NFL season I'd have to say is that like, I call it season because look, it's like a year-round thing. But I feel like the only dead point is really, I don't know, after OTA is before minicamp starts.
1: Yeah, like rookie
0: minicamp. Because you – you
1: with the Patriots especially, you don't even get to see what number they picked because they put them in like number 50. So yeah. people don't even care. It's
0: like, all right, the rookies are here. Great. Back wore number 50 until like, I want to say like the middle of August last year too. First, the first preseason game was the first time he got number 10. Yeah, which I knew all along. I'm like, okay – so I wanted to order him actors, but I'm like, oh, what if they put him in like this number? What if they do this to him? And I'm like, okay, he's wearing ten. Yeah, they give him the number thirteen out of nowhere. Um, another quick question for you with Parker: Does he wear number eleven, or do you think he has to pick a different number?
1: They gave it to Riley McPherson or somebody like a kicker last year on the practice squad. Oh, yes. so I don't. Th- I think they'll just give it to
0: him. They, they gave eighty-seven away to
1: Trey Nixon, who was active for a game and wore it. He didn't play, but he was active, so
0: who will still make a pro bowl because it was an Ernie Adams draft pick. Right, Pat's, Pat's convinced.
1: He's convinced he's going to be like a superstar.
0: Hey, you know what? If it is, it's just one of those things where it works out when you look back at that, that 2021 draft class as being a, a really good class, because there's a lot of good guys that come out of there. And if, if Perkins and McGrone can, you know what, not, I'm not calling, they don't have to be all pro, but if they can get in the lineup and contribute in a positive way, it's a successful draft pick. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if they can play every game, like actually play, then it's successful. Exactly. You see so many guys the Patriots draft, they just don't even play. Exactly. Um, and then that's the only other thing, too, with uh, the Robert Kraft interview he gave last week, and everyone was saying, like, oh, he's calling out Bill for his bad drafting. he's doing this. I'm just like, I think he was just being brutally honest. And like we said earlier, you want ownership that's dedicated to winning. You know he's pissed off the last time. Hell, the last time the Patriots won a playoff game, this podcast didn't exist. Maybe I have to cancel it, and then we'll win a playoff game again. But I like talking to you guys too much. I can't do that. Yeah, it's be selfish. It's all about you. Who cares about the Patriots? <laughs> yeah, screw that team that I'm planning on coming down and seeing. I'm still I'm still keeping my word of that. I will be down there this fall, but I we I think we decided upon October as opposed to September, just because we hear the weather's a lot nicer. Not nicer, but it's not like it's not cold, but it's not hot. Yeah. September right here can just be kind of muggy at Gillette Stadium.
1: Oh, it's like wet it's gross it's joint Stadium was built on a marsh i don't know if you know this but it's basically on top of water so it's very very sticky in in
0: the summer i the more i think about it now i'm kind of, i'm the more i think about it now i think i remember hearing that from somewhere i don't know where but it may have been wikipedia for all i know yeah it's it's gross it's
1: not it's not fun to be out there in the summer i i went to training camp a few times and it was like you know pit sweat everywhere gotta wear black can't wear gray because it'll oh, go. it was tough
0: and then now we know too the stadiums under construction so it'll look a little weird but it'll still be a gillette stadium yeah I mean they're doing all the construction in the area that you walk into the stadium so
1: it should be interesting I don't like
0: it'll look weird but it'll look cool I feel like too with that I know with the rep I feel like with the revs right now it's kind of like yeah. if it looks shitty for the revs it's not a big deal but if by week one, it's, it's when it's like, okay, this is when we want a stadium to look good. It'll be, I mean, they've got the yeah, Patriots Hall of Fame.
1: Like right like, next to there, no? Yeah, it, it's it's the area of the Hall of Fame that's like dug up right now. Um, and that'll be, when's the Patriots Hall of Fame?
0: August? So it, uh, it has to be done by the summer. I think it's October. No, it's before the season. Oh, I think it's just the game they honor them and it's usually. yeah. In the, yeah. Yeah, the game it, they, they honor do, them in.
1: They do it like the same week or maybe a week before that the Pro Football Hall of Fame.
0: So and
1: Seymour's going in the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year, so
0: they'll have shit all over the place. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because Richard finally gets his call to the hall. Hopefully Rodney Harrison's next, which look, he's whenever Ronnie gets his call, he's gotta go in as a patriot. That's just my two cents on that situation though. I agree. But anything else you want to add add today? Or did you, did you get out everything you needed to say? Is there anything else you want to add out? Or Also, too, one thing I want to ask you about, where can people find your wonderful, wonderful draft guide? Draft guide, it's on my Twitter page, so it's easy okay. to find. Uh, at Keegan Stiefel, if you're watching, it's right there.
1: You can read it right there. Type it in. My fingers are off of the voice. Yep. Right there. There you go. Yep. Um, so at Keegan Stiefel. Uh, if you can't spell it, whatever. At Pat's Pulpit as well on Twitter. Uh, you can you can find it there, but it's my pinned tweet, so it's full. Uh, we've got 220 evaluations. Shit ton of prospects. That's a lot. A lot of man hours went into it. Um, and then we're going to be announcing tomorrow, uh, so exclusive if you're listening or watching this, uh, live draft show um, night one NFL draft round one. You can if you have no one to watch it with or if you're still, you know, not going out and doing things, you can watch it with us live online on the Internet. Um, it'll be like a rotating cast, but I'll be there the entire time. And then every Tuesday from now on, not tomorrow, but um, April 12th, the three Tuesdays leading up to the draft, we'll have a live mock drafts on the Twitter, YouTube, whatever. So find all my stuff at Keegan Steeple on Twitter.
0: And also, too, last year, I remember because I did watch the live stream last year, I believe your Wi-Fi went out, so you had to go to a hotel.
1: I bought a hotel room.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I spent,
1: like, 180 bucks to do the draft show because my Wi-Fi, my all of the internet was out uh, in my entire neighborhood. It was a huge storm. So, uh, it was tough, but it was fun. This year, I've got my own apartment. Hell yeah. I can do whatever I want. Uh, internet works. It's great internet, so I'll be here. You can Look at my. You can read my books while I uh, talk about Chris Olave for three and a half
0: hours. I love to hear it, and also too, the one thing I want to say before we get out of here today, the prospect that I've gone to like that I know Ryan likes a lot is Dax Hill from Michigan. I've uh, everybody likes him. I don't get it. I, I
1: don't I know have, why I hate him,
0: but yeah, I know. I, I, I have a buddy of mine who is a big Michigan guy. So whenever I whenever I hear or see a Michigan prospect, I always ask him about it just to see, like, to get the details and everything. Like he filled me on, like Josh Uche. Cameron and all that stuff. So whenever I have a Michigan player – because, like, I saw Ryan tweet about him, so I te- text him – I just messaged my buddy saying – I think I literally sent Ryan's tweet just saying, like, hey, what do you think of him? And then he'll just basically fill me in on the notes and stuff. Apart from what Ryan shares, because, look, I know – that's not a knock on all three of you guys. I'm just saying I got my Michigan sources that I go to for when I want to know something about a certain player. I like
1: it. I, You know, if I watch the, the game, which is what they call Michigan-Ohio State, yeah. and I see a yeah. missing a guy that I like, then I know he's good. So I that that's how it was with Cam McGroan. I was like, this guy's awesome. He's sick. Um, I was that way with Aiden Hutchinson this year. So uh, it, you'll get a few every year from me that I'll admit. But uh,
0: screw Michigan, go Ohio State. Oh, I O. Yeah, that's right. But anyway, folks, that's going to do it here today for episode number 162 of YWC Football Talk. I will see you later this week with a brand new podcast. There's more and more stuff coming because guess what, folks? Drafts are right around the corner. I want to thank Keegan for Pat's pulpit once again.